Welcome to this edition of the Head to Head Podcast. I'm your host, Cam McKinney, and this is episode number 179 of the podcast. And in this episode of the podcast, I am recapping the 2021 Boston Red Sox season. The 2021 Red Sox had an impressive record of 92-70. and They beat the New York Yankees in the wildcard game and beat the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League Division Series and lost to the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series. There's two ways to view this team. One is that they overachieved at the beginning of the season. No one expected them to compete for the World Series. The other way to view them is as the season progressed, expectations for them changed after an impressive first half. Either way you view it, this was a very good season for the Boston Red Sox. And the standouts for me are Raphael Devers with the bat in the regular season. He had 38 homers and drove in 113 runs. If he had played more consistent defense, he would be an MVP candidate. I mean, after all these years in the league, it's kind of sad that he has not progressed defensively. But either way, he is a top five offensive player in all of baseball and he should get his due. I hope he does get some MVP votes. The biggest pleasant surprise for the Red Sox was outfielder Kike Hernandez, who at times in the regular season carried the Red Sox offensively. He became a viable leadoff hitter as the season progressed. And then in the postseason, he upped his game when he hit five homers with nine runs batted in. I mean, this guy came to this team with a playoff resume with the LA Dodgers, and he really stepped up his game. And I think you need those kind of players on your team. It's like the 2018 Red Sox. They had Steven Pierce and Nathan Ovaldi, guys you didn't expect to step up their games and elevate, and that's what Kike Hernandez did. And their most impressive pitcher all year long was Garrett Whitlock. He became their relief ace. Even after Matt Barnes went out with his struggles, Garrett Whitlock was consistent day in and day out. He wasn't able to pitch multiple days in a row, but he was able to give you multiple innings from time to time. He was a really pleasant surprise for me this season. He became one of the best relief levers in the American League and one of the biggest reasons why this team was as good as they were. And two pitchers who really give me hope going forward for this Red Sox rotation are Tanner Houck and Nick Pavetta who like Kike Hernandez stepped up their game in the postseason and they almost turned the Red Sox biggest weakness into a strength. I also have to talk about the man who was the Red Sox ace all season long, Nathan Avaldi. Yeah, he only went 11-9 with a 3.79 but I was super impressed by Evaldi. I did not think the Red Sox were capable of being a good team with Nathan Evaldi as their ace, but that's exactly what they were, and Nathan Evaldi was a big reason why. He was the most reliable starter each and every start out, and without him, I don't think they would have been a very good baseball team. You need at least one reliable starting pitcher, and that's what Evaldi was for this Red Sox team. Now, we're all in high spirits because of what the Red Sox were able to accomplish this year, but there are some big questions moving forward for this organization and one of the biggest ones is who is the closer on this team? Matt Barnes had a career best first half and then had a terrible second half and was barely used in the postseason and oh by the way he just got a contract extension. Adam Ottavino is entering free agency this offseason. They need to bolster their bullpen. Yeah you have Garrett Whitlock but what is his role going to be on this team next year? There's some question as to whether Whitlock is going to move in into the rotation because people forget Garrett Whitlock is a starting pitcher. And one of the only reasons he was in the bullpen in the first place is because he was bouncing back from Tommy John surgery. So is Garrett Whitlock's future in this rotation as a reliever or as a starting pitcher?
temperature. The Whitlock situation might be a lot like the Jonathan Papelbon situation. I mean, people forget about this. Jonathan Papelbon was going to be a starting pitcher. He was Keith Folk's setup man, and then he became the closer, and he stayed in that role. But the same fate might be happening with Garrett Whitlock. I mean, we talk about these guys. Aroldis Chapman, he might be a starter. It doesn't matter. Garrett Whitlock has become a very viable relief pitcher. You might want to keep him in that role because the Red Sox do not have a good history of turning relief pitchers into starting pitchers. Look at Daniel Bard. The other thing looming over this team is J.D. Martinez. If he opts into his contract, will they re-sign Kyle Schwarber, who is a big factor down the stretch? I think they would rather have Schwarber at this point, but I don't think both guys are going to return. So if J.D. Martinez is back on this team, I don't expect Kyle Schwarber to be back. It doesn't make any sense to have two bonafide DHs on a team for a 162 game season. It did down the stretch or were able to be good, but I don't think you could survive that way for a full season. We also have to have a frank conversation about the future of the Red Sox defensively. You can have a bad defender on the team. You can't have multiple. What I would do is move Devers to first base and give Bobby Dahlbeck a chance to play third. As for Bogarts, I'm fine with him at shortstop. As for Renfro in the outfield, he's got a cannon for an arm and I think he's an average outfielder otherwise, but his bat is worth having in the lineup. It's like this, if you're not going to have elite defenders starting the game, at least have them at the end of the game. They should bring back backup shortstop and second baseman Jose Iglesias. He was terrific down the stretch in the last few weeks of the regular season. He was a big factor in the Red Sox getting to that wild card game in the first place and they should also consider bringing in a Doug Mankiewicz type to play backup first base because you don't have an elite defender at that position. Because of the outcome of the season and the Red Sox getting to the American League Championship Series, a lot of people are saying you can no longer second guess the Red Sox trade deadline moves and I don't feel that way at all. I feel like if the Red Sox had one more reliable reliever and starting pitcher, they would be in the World Series right now. Bloom got a lot right, but he did get some things wrong. Garrett Richards was not what you wanted, and now the team has to decide or whether or not to pay Eduardo Rodriguez some big money. Do you know who the Red Sox should have gotten this past offseason instead of Garrett Richards? Charlie Morton. Look at what Morton is doing for the Atlanta Braves. He is one of... Now, he is injured right now. I get it. But guess what? He would have been a huge factor for the Red Sox in this regular season. He would have been their second best starting pitcher behind Nathan Avaldi. Yes, you have Chris Sale, but you don't know if he's going to bounce back next year for a full season. Chris Sale looked very impressive in that final start, but I don't know what Chris Sale is going to be moving forward, so you need to add depth to that rotation. I'm not saying that they should have gone after a Jose Berrios or a Max Scherzer. I think at the trade deadline, they should have traded for a reliable starting pitcher. I will say some of the moves they didn't make really panned out, like not going after Craig Kimbrell was the right move because Kimbrell is not a setup guy. He could not have been the setup guy. If the Red Sox traded for him and made him the closer, then maybe it could have worked out, but Kimbrell as a setup guy for the White Sox really blew up in their face. I 
mean, it's also true that Kyle Schwarber probably did a lot more for this team than Anthony Rizzo did for the New York Yankees. So some of those moves really worked out for them. Others, I think, still could have been made. I want the Boston Red Sox moving forward to move in between both things. You can be a big-time organization that spends a lot of money, and you can also make those wise decisions. You don't have to be one or the other. I'm super interested in this offseason to see if Bloom thinks that he's one move away from winning it all, or he's just going to slowly progress. Does Bloom think the Red Sox are already there, or does he think they are a few moves away? Like, I would be shocked if Bloom this offseason gives out a $100 million to any group of players, let alone one player. I think this is going to be a small-ish offseason for the Red Sox, and we'll see if that's the right move or not. One of my beliefs is after having a successful season and being close to a championship, you try to make that one big move that's going to put you over the top. Remember the 2003 Red Sox? They had just lost to the Yankees in 2003. Well, that Red Sox team was super aggressive that offseason. They went after A-Rod. They were really close to getting him. And then they brought in Kurt Schilling and went on to win the World Series. I want to see that type of aggressive move put the Boston Red Sox over the top. I want there to be an offseason move that goes, wow, they are really title favorites right now and I don't think that's going to happen and I do think if it doesn't happen that's the wrong move. I understand Bloom's approach of not wanting to trade away prospects but you can still spend some money in the offseason and fill your needs. I hope he does so this offseason. Now I want to talk about the biggest winner of this season and it's not Bloom, it's Alex Cora because after serving his suspension last year the Red Sox were in last place. Then he returns and they make the American League Championship Series. And like it or not, Alex Cora is thought of as a baseball genius. Real or not, he is thought that way. And the most fascinating thing about him is he is given more credit than other modern managers. I mean, Kevin Cash and Dave Roberts are thought of as lackeys to analytical front offices, while Alex Cora is actually given credit for the moves he makes, and I have no idea if that's actually based in reality. Does Alex Cora have more say on what the Red Sox do than Dave Roberts has on what the Dodgers do? Does Alex Cora have more say on what the Red Sox do than Kevin Cash has on what the Rays do? I have no idea if any of this is based in reality or we just want to view this guy as one of the best because we're Boston and we love him. I don't know. I also think you can make the argument that he's the best Boston coach right now. Belichick is struggling without Brady. Brad Stevens is gone from the Celtics. Cora is the guy right now. He is the guy we think of. He has that winning cachet. We think he has all the answers. I mean, I thought he was going to come back and they were going to improve a little. Like, I thought they were going to be a 500 team, maybe an 85 win team, but no. The fact that they went from last to the American League Championship Series like that, like boom, that's super impressive. And whether you think he's a cheater or not, Alex Cora has it when it comes to this team. Maybe he only connects with this group of players, but Alex Cora is one of the best managers in all of baseball. I don't think you can argue that anymore. He is one of the lone managers in all of baseball that is the face of the organization. When you think of the Boston Red Sox, I think you think of Alex Cora before you think of Xander Bogarts, before you think of Rafael Devers. We don't think of Aaron Boone when we think of the Yankees. We think of Cora when we think of the Red Sox. That is a very unique position to be in. 
These other guys are not the face of their organization. Dusty Baker is far from the face of the Houston Astros. He's got that old school baseball manager cachet like Joe Torre did, but he's managing in the modern times as a very unique position for Cora to be in. I think he has all the power right now in that Red Sox organization. He is the face of that organization. What a huge bounce back season for him. I think he proved all the doubters wrong. And more importantly, he proved once again that he's going to be the manager of this team for the next decade. I mean, when he came back, I thought, oh, maybe they'll bring him back for a year or two to see if it works and then he'll be gone again. No, he has solidified his future with this organization. He's more than just a one-hit wonder. He's more than John Farrell winning a World Series and then never getting back there. This guy is it. He is the future of the Boston Red Sox and I hope this time things go right for him. When a team overachieves like the Red Sox did this past season, a lot of people like to try to predict where the Red Sox are going and it's a slippery slope and past seasons when they overachieve, they usually underachieve the following season. My hope with Cora is they won't finish in last place or have a losing record next year. He's too good of a manager for that to occur but at the same time they've never been able to duplicate success in back-to-back seasons. 2013 they won it all and then finished last the following year. Even with Cora in 2018 they're a powerhouse and in 2019 they were largely forgettable. This has been the Boston's Red Sox track record for as long as I can remember. I mean this is something that's so maddening about this organization. They have trouble having consistent success and that's why Alex Cora might be the answer because in every year he's managed the Red Sox they've been super consistent then they let him go and they go back to their last place ways. This is why there is hope for this organization and I think the biggest hope is Alex Cora. He's too good of a manager to have a losing record. He is able to combat all these issues with this team. The fact they don't have a great rotation. The fact that they're not a great defensive team. He is a great manager of people and that's why he's the right fit for this Red Sox team. But I think the biggest reason why they always struggle the year after having a large amount of success is because in the offseason they do nothing. They win the World Series in 2013 with a group of role players like Mike Napoli and Shane Victorino and then they go on their celebration and then that offseason they do absolutely nothing to try to repeat. They are too happy in victory. This offseason they need to make some big moves or they are going to struggle like these past teams have. The Red Sox have been too happy in success. You need to keep trying to improve. Look at the LA Dodgers. They won the World Series for crying out loud last season and then in this trade deadline they trade for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. They will do anything to try to win. That is what I want for the Boston Red Sox to not put the pedals off the bike to keep going just because you won or just because you overachieved does not mean that you've arrived. That has been their attitude time in and time out. They win and then they parade all year long and act like there's nothing to improve upon. And then they finish in last place and then they have to make those drastic moves like signing Pablo Sandoval and signing Hanley Ramirez. I do not want the same thing to keep happening over and over and over 
over and over again. I want this team to become a super consistent organization. And with Bloom and Cora at the helm, I have hope of that becoming a reality. Listen, I'm not asking the Red Sox to win the division every year or even to make the postseason every year. Each and every year, just be above 500. That's at the bare minimum what you should be. You are the Boston Red Sox. You have a high payroll. You are capable of signing a star player in the blink of an eye. Just be above 500 and be an entertaining product. Because when you have these years like last year, when you finish in last place, nobody is going to pay attention to you. But then when you make the American League Championship Series, we're all right back on the bandwagon. All you have to be is an entertaining product for us to be interested in. And that's what you should be moving forward. Be more like this 2021 team than that 2020 team. In closing, I want to talk about that series versus the Houston Astros because I think two things can be true at the same time. The first is that the Red Sox overachieved by being in the American League Championship Series in the first place. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you had told me the Red Sox would go to the American League Championship Series, I would have said you were crazy. But the second one is that the end of this season was disappointing. Early in the series, they looked way better than the Astros. Then their offense fell apart through the first three games of the series. The Red Sox outscored the Astros 25-13. to It was total domination. Remember all the Grand Slams? They had two Grand Slams in one game and then another Grand Slam in another. And then in the final three games of the series, the Astros outscored the Red Sox 15-3. to That's inexcusable. The series changed that drastically. This at the very least should have gotten to a Game 7. I'm sorry, but it's kind of crazy that this has to be said. After outscoring a team 25-13, to you can't as a fan just go, oh, we lost to the better team. For a lot of that series, you were the far better team. What changed? Their roster didn't change. Your roster didn't change. You just stopped hitting the baseball really hard. It did seem like at the end of that series, the Red Sox were way too reliant on the home run. And yes, that is modern baseball. Every team is reliant on the home run, but they were winning those early games because of grand slams. All the games they won, they dominated. And then those final three games again, 15 to 3. How does that happen? That is a very disappointing end. And yes, Alex Cora made some questionable decisions at the end of that series. Pitching Nathan Avaldi out of that bullpen in that one game was inexcusable for me. I don't see how you did that. There was also another game where he pitched Garrett Richards multiple innings in a blowout. How do you do that? You need the guy down the stretch when it matters most. As surprising as this season was for the Red Sox, the ending was even more surprising. How did that happen? You dominate. After they hit that third grand slam in the series, we all thought to ourselves, wow, the Red Sox are about to go to the World Series, and then they didn't. It was a really surprising ending. All in all, I thought this was a really good year, but don't believe that the Houston Astros were the better team. Again, 25-13 to in the first three games of the series. The series should have gone to seven games. Both things can be true. It was a really good season for the Boston Red Sox that ended in a disappointing fashion. I am super excited where this Red Sox team is going. They're still going to have Raphael Devers. They're still going to have Xander Bogarts. They're going to have Chris Sale for a full season. I hope he returns back to ace mode. They're going to have Nathan Avaldi. I think there is 
there's a real good chance they're going to be even better than this year's team. And I would not be shocked if next year you see them right back in the American League Championship Series, this time probably going to the World Series. I have hope to where the Red Sox are going. This was a very entertaining year. It was way better than I ever could have imagined. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Head to Head Podcast. I'm Cam McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Monday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please rate, review, and subscribe.